Let's go ahead and open up your Bibles, if you have it, to the book of John, chapter 8. We're going to finish up our series entitled Be Free Today. You, you also have an outline in your bulletin, and I, I encourage you to grab that and follow along. If you're a note-taker, take notes. If you're not a note-taker, take notes. And, and you guys, this is going to be a great, great day. John, chapter 8. Let me read it to you. To the Jews who had believed. Many of you, if you've come to church the last two weeks, I've, I've opened up with this scripture every week. So this is going to be kind of a review for you. But these guys, these Jewish believers, had put their faith in Christ. And Jesus told them, look, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciple. And so just because you believe, it's not the end, it's the beginning. Once you say that salvation prayer, oh, it's not over. No, that's when you begin to grow, begin to learn Christ's teaching, begin to know what he wants. And you become a disciple of his or a follower of his. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him. Here, here was their problem. Here was their dilemma. We're Abraham's descendants. My great-grandmother is a charter member of First Church. I, I've been a Christian for a long time. I've never been a slave to anyone. I, I've never been in bondage. I, I've never been in, I mean, I had some ancestors back when Moses helped them get out of Egypt, but I'm not a slave. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we all got things that just don't want to let go. There's these things that, that, that if they were out of our lives, we'd be a lot better. An attitude, an action, uh, a, a, a heart response, I don't know. But just something that keeps us from reaching our full potential. And Jesus said, now a slave has no permanent place in the family. And that's not saying, again, these are followers of Christ, they're going to heaven. What Jesus is saying is that they're not receiving every benefit. They're not experiencing the full walk with Christ because they're, they're, this sin is still hanging on to them. But a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, and this is our desire, this is Christ's desire for us, then we will be free indeed. And so my prayer for you is you'll just be free. My prayer for me is I'll walk in freedom. And so for the last two weeks, we've shared some principles and, and some truth found in God's word concerning that. And today I want to talk a little bit. And so if you haven't heard it, they kind of build on one another, but they also stand alone. The messages do. So if you haven't heard the last two, I encourage you to go on our webpage and look at them. But today I want to talk about how do you stay free? We're, we're, we'll talk a little bit about both, how to get free, but mainly how do I stay free? Because that's a big deal. It's, it's very important. Last Sunday, a, a young lady came up to me and said, man, I, I felt something in the service the week before. I really felt like the Lord did something in my heart, did something in my life. I, I left knowing that I was free. But Wednesday, I, I, I got back into my routine and my pattern, and it was like that same old stuff just kept bothering me and messing with me. And, and, I, and her words are, I'm tired of it. I want to be free, and I want to keep free. I don't want to go back and go back to that same thing. Let me read a, a chapter out of Luke, a verse out of Luke. It says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert, searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds that its former house is all swept and in order. They're walking in freedom. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter that, and they all enter the person and live there. And that person is worse off than before. And this is not probably a verse you want to put on your refrigerator. 
This is not something you want to put on your mirror when you're shaved to really. This is not an encouraging verse. And, and Jesus is not even saying it's going to happen. He, it's a warning verse. This is a verse that's saying, it. look, it could happen. You, you can't, you know, we are right now, America is on a, in a war on terror. You, you know that. As long as there's ISIS and Al-Qaeda and there's evil and wicked people doing evil and wicked things. This is not a war. Oh, we just knock out Osama bin Laden and we're done. We just pack up and go home and it's all. No, no, this is a war that's going to be fought until this evilness is quenched, which I don't know if it's going to happen until Jesus comes back. Well, in the same way in the natural or, or in our spiritual walks, the Bible says that our, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And as long as there is an enemy seeking to kill you and destroy you and steal from you, and, and, and fill you with, with demonic influence. As long as there is an enemy, you are in a war. You're in a battle. It doesn't stop. It, does, it doesn't quit. There, there's going to be a... There, so I don't, there, this is just a warning for... Hey, make sure. Make sure you're on your guard. Make sure you're doing some things to ensure that you're safe and you're, you're not going to get bound back up and be worse off than you were before. And, 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 and so you got to understand a few things about freedom as we talk about this. And, and here's, here's the pattern. Here's the pattern you see in, in a lot of, you see it in nations, you see it in people, you see it in, you see it in a lot. There's this desire for freedom. I'm just tired of living the way I've lived. I'm tired of, of being under the thumb of somebody. I, there must be more to this in life. I mean, America the same way. They were tired of the, the tyranny of Great Britain. They were tired of being taxed when that was just really uh, too much and, and, and not for their best benefit. We, we got to be free. And what happens when you get free, it often leads to prosperity. You begin to get blessed. Good things begin to happen. America became one of the prosperous nation in the world. I mean, I mean, you look at David. David wanted freedom from Goliath. That, that giant came out every week and cursed the name of God. And David said, enough is enough. I'm not going to live under his oppression anymore. He desired freedom, and so he slayed the giant. But with freedom, if you're not careful, it, it, it turns into prosperity. And David got in a lot of trouble in this state. The Bible says that when he should have been out fighting, he was staying home doing his own thing, and that's when he saw, but she just got in a world of, world of hurt. And if you're not careful, it, it, it causes compromise and, 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 and just stagnation, and it can lead back to bondage. Freedom, prosperity, and bondage. You see it all throughout Scripture. You see it all throughout lives. I got to be free. I got to be free. And then you get free, and man, this feels so good. This is so great. But then you let your guard down, and it ends right back up in bondage. The early church dealt with it. The early church, the Old Testament was all about the law. And you know why the law was put into place? You got to do this. You can't do this. You got to sacrifice this. You got, I mean, all these laws. The whole point of the law was to point us to our need for Jesus. We can't keep the law. We, we can't honor the law. We need a savior. We don't need a written code. We need the law of God written on our hearts. We need the blood of Jesus to forgive, forgive us of our sins. And so in the New Testament, that message began to be preached. This message of grace, that God is a gracious God, that just trusts Jesus and believe Jesus. But the New Testament church, many of them couldn't handle it, and, and they kept going. They went from freedom to this prosperity, and they just kept going into this works-based religion. And the whole book of Galatians addresses that topic. And here's what Paul said in Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ sets you free. 
Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. There's a standing firm. There, there's a, my, I'm just introducing this whole thing. You just can't. It, this is how freedom works. Freedom, it, it can happen in an instant. It's called deliverance. And Jesus comes into your life and, and he can take something from you. He can fill a void somewhere. He can make up the difference in your life where, where that thing you used to do, you just, you just abhor it. You don't like it. It's deliverance. It's right away. But freedom also is a process. And we, the word is we call it discipleship. And that's why I'm encouraging you to go on the journey with me. To commit every, you want to be free and stay free, you, you've got to be in church on a regular basis. I'm not talking about once a month. And it's not to boost our attendance. It's for you. It's for your benefit. You need to be a part of the body of Christ, connected. You need to sell out to Jesus. You, you really want to, you want to be, all, you want to have all that Christ wants for you and desires for you. You can't have one foot in and one foot out. You can't, you can't be walking down both roads. When you, get, when you really have a true conversion, there's going to be evidence of repentance. There, there's, going to be a, there's going to be a hunger for the things of God. There's going to be a submission to God's word. You're going to desire to be in the house of the Lord. You're going to want to be a part of a small group. You want to, you just want to go, you're going to want to connect. I'll tell you again about the importance of that. You just want to, we've got all kinds of groups. We've got support. We, we've got a living free group right now. It, it talks about how to, how to live and battle depression. And they tell me about a quarter of the people in the United States have depression on a regular basis. God doesn't want you living like that. God doesn't want you waking up with a cloud over your life every morning. He don't want you going to bed feeling, feeling this constant battle. He wants you free. And who the sun sets free wants you free indeed. But you've got to step out. You've got to take hold of it. You've got to be a part of one of our serving teams so that you get your focus off of yourself and get it on others. I mean, you, you just got to, you got to, this Wednesday night, we're going to get, we're going to have water baptism. If you've not been water baptism, that's a next, that's a great next step. To just, to just follow and go after this pursuit of freedom. To be all that God wants you to be. It's a battle. It's a war. You say, well, I'm free. and I don't ever have to fight that thing anymore. You're wrong. I don't think you ever get to a place where temptation, and it's different for different people and different things. But, but, and I, I don't want to, but greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I, I want to tell you the news, but I want to tell you the good news. Jesus died for it, and you can be free, and you don't have to live with a low-grade fever, and you can be all that God wants you to be. And so you say, okay, okay, how? Tell me how. Well, there, there, there's a story very familiar to most of you, Luke chapter 15. It's the story of the prodigal son, and there are some principles in there that I think will help us in this, in this idea of freedom. And, and there, were, there was two other stories before this, and so Jesus continued, and he said, there was a young man who had two sons. And the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. That was very inappropriate. That wasn't right. It showed real disrespect and dishonor for his, God, for his father. So he, and here's an important thing because we'll come back to this, but catch this. So he divided his property between them. Between who? Between the older son and the younger son. So both of, the younger son wanted his inheritance earlier, early, but the dad gave it to both. Not long after that, the younger son got all together all he had, got all his belongings, got all that money his daddy got him, and he set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living, found prostitutes, went to the club, spent all his money. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine, freedom, prosperity, bondage. There it is again. 
freedom. I'm getting out from my father. I'm going to do my own thing. Felt a little prosperity. There was a famine. Went right back in the bottoms. And the whole country, and he began to be in need. Here is the first. This has got to be a stop in your spiritual journey if you're going to be free. You have to admit you need help. And this is difficult for some of us. Because, especially us men, because it demonstrates weakness. It demonstrates we don't have it all together. It demonstrates that we're, we, we could even perceive ourselves to be failure. I mean, I, I'm stressed because I, I, this being the priest and the provider, the protector of my home is overwhelming to me. And I, I just can't do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But I'm not going to share that with somebody because, again, that would, that would reveal weakness. That would reveal some kind of failure. So I'm just going to try to fight it on my own and live with it and live through it. Some of you, and, and, and here, here's, here you, you can't get free you can't, until you admit you need help. There's some people that have had an addiction for years and, 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 and an addiction that they don't have to live with and an addiction they can get free from, but they're just unwilling to admit they need help. I got it all together. I'm going to break this thing by myself. I'm going to do it on my own. And, and, and I, I hate to tell you, but it, but it very rarely works. God, once you, the only person God can help is the person that says, God, I need you. God, I can't do it without you. You know what blessed are the poor in spirit means in the, in the Beatitudes? It doesn't mean that they're broke and they're in poverty. It means that their spirits cry out, I cannot do it without God. God, I need you. you, you have, the first step is to admit you need help. I'm struggling being a dad. And I'm, I'm having a hard time being the husband, the wife that you want me to be. Let's go on, Luke 15. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to, feel, to his fields to feed pigs. If you don't admit you need help, you're going to find yourself feeding pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, I can't do this on my own. There's got to be something better than this. I'm not meant to live with this anger or, or this attitude or this action all my life. I, I, he finally came to his senses. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have had food to spare? And here I am starving to death. Here's the next principle. First, admit you need help. Here's the next thing. Humbly repent to God and others. Humbly repent. Repent means to change your mind concerning your thought life around it and what you think about it. Here's Luke 15, 18. I will set out. He came to his senses. I can't do this on my own. There must be something better. I'm going back to my father and I'm saying to him, I have sinned against heaven. I've sinned against God. And I've sinned against you. Some things are worth repeating. And I, I say this a lot. But Jesus is the only one that can forgive you of your sins. 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. When you humbly confess to Christ, he forgives you. But he has put, he's just put a principle, he's just put a system in place where you can walk in forgiveness and not be walking in freedom. And there's another step that you've got to take. That's why you've got to You've got to humbly confess to others. Here, here's what James says. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's forgiveness when you've confessed to Christ, but there's healing when you confess to others. 
There, there, what happens is when you, hey, man, I'm struggling with this cliff. I don't know what I'm going to do. I need, I need your help. And, and here's the issue. The, the light shines in the darkness, and it comes out in the open, and, 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 it, and it just it gives you a new power, and it gives you a new ability, and it gives you a greater accountability. So now you're just not forgiven. Some people say, oh, I'll just work it out with God. That's all I need, me and God. It's not how God created it. He created it this way, but he also created it this way. He created to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But this, the second is just as important and just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's this horizontal and vertical relationship that we can't go up. If you want forgiveness, confess to Christ. If you want to be healed, you've got to confess to a brother. And I'm not telling you to go before a group of people and declare your, your stuff. I, I'm saying get in a small group and find two out of the six that are in that group. Find the two most messed up men or women and grab them and go outside. Because they're messed up. They, they're going to understand. They're not going to judge you. They're going to help you. And say, man, I got this, I got this stuff. And, and immediately, light's going to come up. New power, fresh in. You've you got to admit you need help. Do you, do you hear the power of small groups? Do you see? What, and I, again, I'm not trying to boost our small group attendance. I'm not trying to give you another thing to do on a weeknight. I'm trying to help you get free and stay free. I'm trying to get you in a place where you experience all that God has for you. And church service is important and you got to be a part of this. And you got to celebrate collectively. But you got to get in relationship with somebody where you can let your mask down and you can be honest with them and you can share with them so that the light will come on and shine in the darkness and accountability will come and so you can walk in freedom. You gotta admit you need help. You gotta humbly confess your sins to God and to others. And here's the next thing: you gotta daily choose to reject Satan's lies. Because Satan is a liar. He's not gonna stop. He's not gonna quit. You're never gonna get free. You're not gonna make it. You're gonna live for this thing. God doesn't love you. God won't forgive you. Oh, there you go, doing the same old thing. You're, you're no good. Let's skip to the older brother. And we very rarely mention the older brother, but listen to him. And here's the, here's the context. You've got to reject Satan's lie. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard all the music and dancing because that prodigal had come home. And, and so he called one of the servants and he said, what's going on? The servant said, your brother has come home. And so the older brother replied, and the servant said, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he... He, is, he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry, got in bondage. And he refused to go in. And so his father went out and pleaded. Well, here we got this, this older boy outside the house. Dad leaves the party, goes outside. Come on, man. get it. Come on in be with us. But he answered his father, look, you got to reject all the lies of the enemy, all the lies of Satan. Look, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Come on. This guy's 18, 19 years old. You ever heard that from your kid? Dad, you just, you're just slave. I'm just a slave. My kids will say, Dad, I don't know what you're going to do when we're gone. Because we do all the work around here. We load the dishwasher. We cut the grass. We're just a master. What do you want me to do today? You, you ever heard that? This kid's not a slave. Are you kidding me? You know what I tell my kid? Look at me. Look at me, kids. Look right here. You get to eat here. You get to sleep here. Get out there and cut the grass in Jesus' name. You're not a slave. This guy, this punk kid had bought into a lie. I'm just a slave. I've never disobeyed your orders. Come on. If he's not Jesus, he just lied. He, you know what? He has believed a lie. Here's the best one. 
You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Well, we just read earlier the dead split the inheritance. And, and you know who got the most of it? The older brother. The younger brother got one-third. The older brother got two-thirds. He got 66% of the income. He, he, he had bought into a lot. What do you mean I ain't even giving you a young goat? I gave you the whole herd. I've given you, I gave you everything. What are you talking about? This guy believed a lie. I'm just a victim. No, my daddy don't care for me anymore. He doesn't, he doesn't love me. I'm not, he, he, listen, if you're, if you're going to continue in freedom, you got to say, no, devil, I'm not going there. I, I, this is what I know. The power of a lie can mess somebody up. And this idea that, oh, I don't have anything. God's not for me. My father's not for me. I'm on my own. He had believed a lie. And he kept him outside the party. It kept him from, from experience freedom and not living in bondage. And I'm, I'm so proud of my oldest son. And uh, he, he, he'll graduate this year, this December, with a degree in business. And he's engaged to a wonderful young girl with just comes from a great family. And he's very active and involved with the church. And, and I, I'm just, I mean, I'm just, I'm just a proud father. But there was a, there was a time in his life where, where it was difficult for him. Free teen, teenage years. He really struggled spiritually for probably about four or five years, kind of in and out, up and down. He's given me permission to share this, and he's older now, and so, and so you'll understand. But, but he hated being a pastor's kid. That He hated the perception that people had for him, and, and it was really a lie, and he'll admit it now. But he had believed a lie, that he had to live up to a certain standard, that he had to, that he had to act a certain way. And so to break out of that stigma, he hung out with the wrong crowd. He started making poor decisions, was headed down a road that was going to lead him into bondage. He believed the lies of the enemy. He believed the lies. Hey, you never even had a chance to commit your life to Christ. You've just been hanging on the coattails of your, your mom and your dad. The only reason you're, you're even in the church is because your dad's the pastor. And, all, and he said, and everybody's looking at you. Don't put anything out there because everybody's judging you differently. You're on a hold of, hold of and he, he just went. He just, he just wasn't walking with the Lord. And he got in a small group when he was about 17 years old. And it was a group of young men that had a great leader. And they, they got together and they just started, they didn't judge him. And he got comfortable enough where he started sharing his feelings. Right or wrong, he just shared his feelings. And they didn't point their finger at him. They didn't do anything. They just kind of loved him along in the journey. And it wasn't instant. But over a season, he, be, he began replacing Satan's lies with the truth of God's word. And that he began to believe and understand that he was fearfully and wonderfully made. And that his full destiny is wrapped up in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that God's love for him is not based on his past or his performance or his potential, but it's based on God's nature. And today he is where he is spiritually. He, again, active in the church, wants to serve God, loves Jesus. And, and, and why? Because he, he quit embracing or receiving the lies of the enemy. And he began to daily choose to receive God's truth. And friend, if you're going to stay in freedom and walk in freedom, you have to do the same thing. You have to daily understand that God is for you and not against you. That that he wants to see you succeed. And and here's, here's, here's Luke 15. But the father said to his servants, here's the truth of God's word. He wants to clothe you, give you three things. Let me close with this. Quick, now, now we're back to the younger brother. He's come home. 
He's embraced the Father. They've had this celebration. Bring the best robe. And I'll break that down in a minute. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Three things. Write it down on your outline. It's the best robe is the robe of righteousness. Here, here's what God, here's receiving God's truth. Isaiah says that God, when you give your heart to Christ, he clothes you in the righteousness of Christ. You know, the thing about the, thing about the devil is when he comes to you, he lies about God. But somehow he has an audience with, with God the Father. It's in Revelation. It says he goes before the Father. And, and, and though he lies about God to you, he tells the Father the truth about us. And he says, hey, let me just go back to some Old Testament. God, God did you see Abraham, the father of faith? That God that you want to, you said all the stars in the sky are going to be greater than, I mean, that's what's going to be his, his, uh, his people are going to fill the earth. You know, he just, he just lied about his wife. He said that was his sister. He didn't only do it once, he did it twice. Can you believe that? God, you can't use that guy. He goes to, he goes to God, God, did you see David? Oh, the man after your own heart. Sleeping with Bathsheba. There you go. That, that wicked, wicked God. God, you need to judge him. God, you need to get him. He goes before God, condemning and He's the accuser of the brethren. He goes, God, you see, you see your little pastor stand down there. Look at him. He didn't have his devotion time this week. He, he was mad. He was mean to his wife. He was angry with his kids. He, whatever. He just doing. And, and when he talks to God, he's telling the truth. And you know what? You know what happens in that audience? Jesus steps up. Because Jesus paid for our sin, and, and Jesus died for our sin, and, and, and Jesus gets in there, and, and he speaks to the Father in our defense. He's the righteous one. He's the atoning sacrifice. He's our intercessor. He's our advocate. He's our defense attorney. And though it costs him everything, it costs us nothing. And on our behalf, he pleads his case to the Father. And all accusation is thrown out of court. And there's no warrant served and no charges filed and no points on my record. Because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, he wins another case. And I am free from condemnation and found innocent in the eyes of God. For he who knew no sin became sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He wants, to clothe, he wants to clothe you with the robe of righteousness. He wants to, what's the next? He wants to give you the ring of authority. In the Old Testament, the ring of authority was a signet ring. It was a seal. It was almost like a credit card. It had the emblem of the family on the ring. And when they would go and make a transaction, they would have a piece of clay. And the, and the person would, would put their ring on it, take it off, put it, and, and press it down, put an imprint. And it, it was just, it was a ring of authority. Admit, admit. Can I, can I just tell you, when God puts there, you have the authority of the name of Jesus. Amen. You have available to you the greatest, the name that's above every name. The name that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. You've got the name of Jesus. And I, I, you know, people come to me all the time and I love it and I appreciate it. But Pastor Stan, will you pray for me? Just pray for me. And it's almost like the impression is almost like I'm the only one that has the ring. And I tell people all the time, I will pray for you. But more than that, I'm going to agree with you because you have the ring. You have the authority in the name of Jesus. You have direct access to the throne room of God to receive mercy and grace in time of need. You have the ring of authority. And at the name of Jesus, every demon has to flee. Every, every work of the enemy has to be gone in Jesus' name. And you say, no, 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 I've tried it. It's not working. You believe the lie of the enemy. 
When you say in the name of Jesus, it's got to go. Here, here, you, you, haven't, you haven't believed it, but this is what happened. Jesus, Satan, get thee behind me. You got to get out of my life. Here's what he does. I'm not leaving. I'm not going. You can't make me go. I'm staying here. I'm not. You Stop that. I'm not done. And he's gone. He's got to go in Jesus' name. But what happens is we just believe his lies. We think, we think he's standing right there beside us. But because of the ring of authority, he's got to go. There, there, he's got to go. That's good. He's got to go in Jesus' name. When you declare it, he's got to leave. Some of you are sitting here and you're thinking, well, I can't do this or I can't do that because Satan has you believing a lie. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ our Lord. You have everything you need for life and godliness. You are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You have authority over the enemy. You're a new creation in Christ. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Reject the lies of the enemy and embrace the truth found in God's word. Amen, everybody. He also gives you the shoes of peace. And the key, Trevor, come back. Get ready to close. Don't put your thing out. Don't put your things up. <laughs> Keep right. Don't move. Shoes of peace. That boy came home. His feet were probably callous, hard, crusty, dirty, nasty. Not only did the father get down because the custom wasn't wash his feet, but he put new shoes on him. Not any old shoes, shoes of peace. He had peace with the Father. When you return to Christ, begin to serve. You have the peace of God. You have peace with God, and you have the peace of God. Amen. I'm sure that boy was saying, my past is going to limit my future. and What I've done is going to keep me from all God's best. And, and you know what I think the Father was saying as he put those shoes of peace on him? That your pain and your past, God's going to redeem, and he's going to use it for his glory. I'm going to take what the enemy has stolen, and I'm going to do something with your story and something with your testimony. And I'm going to put these shoes of peace because now you have peace with God and you have the peace of God. And no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And I'm working all things for your good according to my purpose. Peace of God. Here, as we close out this series. I encourage you to go watch the other two if you've not heard them. Go watch them and, and, and allow... I, I think this is one of the, maybe one of the... I don't know. It, it's been a great study in what, what God wants for us and how we can really live this out. But in this, this message, this lesson, you got to know, you got to admit you need help. You got to repent of God. You got to repent to God and others. You got to daily reject Satan's lies. You got to receive God's truth. Yeah. Will you stand to your feet with me? I have put in your bulletin a freedom prayer. And I just want to declare this with you. And I want to lead you in this. Do you see it? It's in red. It's on the outline. Will you grab it? If you don't have one, share with the person beside you. And I want you to keep this. And I want you to review it. And I want you to pray it. But I, I want to pray it with you. I just, I just say, Heavenly Father, we bow in worship and praise before you. We just say, Lord, we bless you. We honor you. God, you alone are worthy of our worship and praise. There's none like you, O oh God. I surrender myself completely and unreservedly in every area of my life to you. Lord, I don't want to hold anything back. 
I don't want to compartmentalize. I don't want to keep something. Lord, I offer myself today as a living sacrifice completely and totally to you. Will you do that? Lord, I, I, I lay my life before you. All its, its mess ups, the, the, the inadequacies I have, the failures I have, but also the gifts that I have. Lord, I lay them at the foot of the cross. God, I surrender to you, to your will today. Lord, I humbly acknowledge that you're my greatest need. That next line says, I take my stand against the workings of Satan in my life. Lord, I resist all the endeavors of Satan and his wicked spirits to rob me of the will of God. And can I just speak over you for just a second? I just, in the name of Jesus, uh, according to the authority that I have because of the shed blood of Christ, I, I just declare bitterness and unforgiveness and hate and resentment and malice and envy and jealousy. You got to go in Jesus' name. And insecurity and inferiority and fear and rejection and in self-pity. Your power is broke in Jesus' name. I break the power of sexual immorality and lust and pornography and pride and control and manipulation and rebellion and criticism. They're, they're not welcome in our lives any longer. Guilt and shame and embarrassment and humiliation. They got to go in the name of Jesus. I break the power of every negative and spoken word over your people. Every addiction, every sickness, every disease, every chronic health problem. We declare freedom in the name of our God. We declare freedom in the name of our King. And I choose to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Look at that last line. And I pull down every thought that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And I loosen to myself a sound mind. The mind of Christ. Will you just say this with me? Thank you, Lord, for setting me free. Will you say it? Thank you, Lord, for setting me free. One more time. Thank you, Lord, for setting me free. Give God the glory, will you?